quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. And with primary fast approaching, New York voters have questions for all three Republican candidates. Tonight, tomorrow, and Wednesday night, they join us in a first for this election cycle. So will their families. We hope it gives you, the voters, a chance to see a different side of each candidate, starting with John Kasich. Tonight, he's been pounding the pavement. I feel like I'm getting younger every minute that I'm in New York. Hungry for votes and a little something on the side. I had the baked clams, I had the calamari. Learning the menu and the ropes. I will make you this promise. No more eating pizza with a fork. An Ohio governor with steel town roots and the iron determination to make a difference. I'm fighting for the guy that lived across the street from me, who got up early in the morning and was clean and worked all day and came home and was dirty. A fight, he says, about people, not politics. I don't play politics. I don't have time for it. Yet now, running third, in a race unlike any before, with politics like never seen before, can he somehow take his fight all the way to the White House? And how does he manage being a husband, a father, and a candidate? It's the voters' chance to ask his family. This is an Anderson Cooper 360 CNN Republican Town Hall. Candidates and their families. Voters seeking answers before making a choice that could make history. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We're simulcasting live now on CNN, CNN International, Sirius XM, Satellite Radio, Channel 116, and the Westwood One Radio Network. Welcome to all of you. We're here with Ohio Governor John Kasich, his wife uh, Karen, and their twin 16-year-old daughters Emma and Reese will join us shortly. In the audience, we have registered Republicans, all from New York, which holds its primary a week from this Thursday. The audience came up with the questions they'll ask tonight. We reviewed them to make sure they don't overlap. I'm going to ask a couple questions myself. But as always, this is a chance for voters to hear at length from the candidates and for the first time, the people closest to them. But before we bring out the family, I want to start with Governor Kasich. Thanks very much for being with us. Appreciate it. Thank Thank you. Uh, let's talk about where we are uh, in this race. In, here in, uh, in New York, poll show right now, you're in second place ahead of Ted Cruz, uh, doing very well. The reality is, though, at this point in the race, as you know, you've only won one state, your home state of Ohio. Senator Cruz is doing very well, picking up delegates, even in states uh, he has not won. Just in Colorado, he picked up, uh, he walked away. Didn't with... do very well in Michigan, though. Well, are, do you need to up your game in terms of reaching out to delegates? Oh, we're, we're reaching out, Anderson, all over. And, you know, it's a bizarre process. I'm not really in the middle of it because I, I got to prepare for people like you and I got to get out and do town halls and, and all the things that I do. But, yeah, we have a, we, yes, we do have a Do you need very... to focus more on delegates? Oh, yeah. It does seem That's like what we Cruz are focusing is, is, is outfoxing Donald Trump, certainly, in the Look, battle for delegates. for a month, I've been saying we're going to a convention, right. and the key is delegate growth. And so we're going to grow delegates. I mean, we're doing pretty well in New York. I, I don't like to predict, but we're running, uh, you know, second in the state. And in many of these congressional districts, it's very close between uh, uh, Mr. Trump and, and the campaign we're running. So, and then we go to Pennsylvania, we're going to go to Connecticut, we're going to go all over the country. And so it's the delegate hunt that but, we focus on. Uh, Trump's campaign manager, uh, new convention manager, I should say, Paul Manafort, accused Ted Cruz of using, quote, Gestapo tactics to secure delegates. Do you agree with that? Well, I don't know, but we're certainly not going to use Gestapo tactics to win delegates. Uh, I, I, Do you think the system is fair the way it is? Because yeah, Donald I mean, Trump is all, out we're saying it's all rigged. It's this sort is of, well, it's sort of a scrum. And look, we're, we don't know who all the delegates are go going to be. Uh, they're going to be hardworking Republicans. Uh, there'll be some elected officials or former elected officials, ward healers and all this. And I've been to a convention that was contested in 1976. I was there for Reagan. And I was just a kid at the time. And it was amazing because when delegates are seated at a convention, 
it's really, really serious. They begin to realize that they got to figure out who can win in the fall. And as I always like to remind you, I'm the only one that consistently beats Hillary in the fall. And also they're going to try to figure out who has the record and the experience to be president. So it will become a very serious, heavy matter when we get into that convention. And it's all about the delegates. And you believe that in the second round or the third yeah. round. Just like Lincoln. It's going to go to you. you, know, you know, yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know how many rounds it's going to take. But look, if I'm the only one that can win in the fall, how do you pick somebody else? And let me tell you what the well, other... Why would a delegate pick you if the only state you've actually won is Ohio? Well, let's see how many delegates we accumulate. But why would you pick somebody who can't win in the fall? Let me tell you the, the, what the stakes are. Uh, I believe if you pick these other guys, you're not only going to lose the White House, you'll lose the court, you will lose the United States Senate, and you're going to lose a lot of seats. Why can't Ted Cruz win? Because they're too divisive. They're too negative. Look at how their negatives are. They're negative ratings. And it's very hard to turn negatives around. Believe me. You talked about Michigan uh, this weekend. Members of your campaign teamed up with members of the Trump campaign to deny Cruz uh, key convention committee slots. Is that something that you instructed your people to do? No, I don't. Look, I was watching the Masters on Sunday. I mean, I wasn't watching what the heck's going on with delegates. But um, that's not something you've tried to organize. No, no, I don't. I don't do that. I have a team of people. And look, uh, the fact is, is that there's nothing to be to be gained from trying to figure out, are we with Trump? Are we working with Trump? And what's this? It's not that at all. Well, so, there was a, one of the uh, Cruz's Michigan delegates is suggesting essentially you're auditioning to be Trump's vice president. In fact, Trump in an interview in USA Today said that he likes you. He likes Marco Rubio and kind of named you in a list of people uh, he might even consider for vice president. Would you ask me if I would be his vice president? Would you? Zero. Absolutely not. Zero. I'm not going to be anybody's vice president. Do you I would be the worst vice president the country ever saw. You know why? Because I'm not like a vice president. I'm a president. You know, that's you don't want to be I second admit. fiddle. Well, it's not it's not so much about that, Anderson. Look, I'm running for the top job. And if I don't get the top job, OK, I'm still governor of Ohio. It's, you know, Mayor Koch one time ran for governor of New York and he didn't win. And they asked him what he thought. He said, well, you know, I may not be governor of New York, but, you know, I'm, governor, I'm mayor of New York City and that ain't bad. <laughs> and uh, so I will be governor and then uh, that's what will happen. But I'm not even thinking that way because I do believe at the end of the day and our crowds are growing. You know, we were in Greece, New York, we had 4,000 people. Uh, on Saturday, for the first time, people are finally starting to hear the message that I have, and um, and we're growing. So I'm optimistic going forward. Talk about messages. Your uh, Super PAC uh, released an ad that started running Saturday in New York City and Pennsylvania. I want to just play, uh, take a listen to it, and ask you about it. Told by his father, he was anointed by God to obtain a powerful position. Said women should be punished for having an abortion wants to register Muslims, police their neighborhoods, wouldn't rule out using nuclear weapons against Europe. That the best we can do? No, it's not. John Kasich, stable, presidential. New day. Saying you're stable with the Patsy Cline yeah. song. Well, sounds I, like I, you're I, saying don't, crazy. I don't like that. Ad. You don't. I, I have told my campaign people I can't communicate with those folks. Right. You're not allowed to legally system. to campaign. But I don't like that. I don't like the song. I don't like what it represents. You're not and, saying you don't like Patsy Cline. Oh, I love Patsy Cline. All right, Klein, fine. But, you Just, know, the, the song in that know, context. Uh, but no, I don't like it. I, look, you know, I've objected to some of what they've done a couple times here. Yeah, we've talked because, about that. Because, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to take the low road to the highest office in the land, and I haven't. And frankly, that's why until about a month ago, people didn't know who I, who I was. You think and, if you had been more aggressive, more negative? Oh, more I would have gotten a lot more attention because all the debates were about who can you smear? Who do you yell at? Who do you insult? And then you get a soundbite the next day. Oh, guess what he said about them, you know? And uh, I wasn't going to do that because uh, that's not who I am. And so, Anderson, we operated in obscurity, didn't have the money other people had. But guess what? I'm still standing. You know, we're like the little engine that can. And look, here's what it gets down to is this. I, why would I be the only one to beat Hillary in the fall? Why do all the polls show that? Because basically, I'm a person that tries to unite people, remind people we're an American before we're Republican and Democrat. I can attract the blue-collar voters and the independents. And why? Because I have a history of being able to, to solve the problems of economic insecurity, putting, a, putting things in place to make sure our children can have a better life than we had from our parents. And I've got the expertise in foreign affairs as well. So you put all that together, 
And that's a pretty darn good resume for fixing the country. And I think people get a sense of that. You've been saying uh, for a long time, very honestly, that in your belief this is going to come down to a, a convention and you think yeah, you're going to do well there. Time. Senator uh, Cruz is now uh, kind of publicly admitting that as well. He was talking about that today on the campaign trail. One of the things, though, he has said to me in the past is he's talked about Rule 40. Uh, Rule 40, which was on the books of the convention back in 2012, requires a candidate to have won the majority of delegates in eight states in order to be nominated. Cruz says essentially you're not even going to be eligible to uh, to get look, the nomination. He, look, I don't. I'm going to just tell you this. He spent a million dollars making stuff up, up about me in Wisconsin. Of course, he's going to say that. Are okay? you going to be able to change the rules? Well, there are no rules. The rules will get set. And you just mentioned on when we were in Michigan, the committees got set better. I think the rules will be open. And even if they're not, I'm still going to go in there with significant delegates. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think the people are going to want a closed convention. I think they're going to want to give the delegates freedom to make good choices. Your opponents, though, are going to say, look, a vote for you is essentially if those rules aren't changed, then it's a wasted vote. No, it isn't, because you, can, you still can accumulate delegates even at that convention. But we're not going to go there, Anderson. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Look, I was the first one to talk about the fact that we were going to go to a convention. Right. The pundits didn't think so. And by the way, you know that God created pundits to make astrologers look accurate, you know. Uh -huh. So um, the pundits haven't been right on anything so right. far, anything. So, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not going to go down that road. We're going to be fine. We just are going to continue uh, to develop momentum, get bigger crowds, get, uh, get delegates, and go to that convention and, and, um, and, and make the case that if you're going to, our goal, I think, as a party is to beat Hillary. I think. That would right? seem to be the so goal, So wouldn't yes. you pick somebody that can beat Hillary rather than somebody who loses to her all the time? And wouldn't you also want to pick somebody who actually has the record and the experience of accomplishment to be president? I mean, that's not a radical idea. We're going to take a, a quick break. When we come back, something you have not yet seen in these town hall questions from uh, the audience to, uh, to you, as well as your wife uh, and your daughter, is Adam Moore in this first of 3AC360 Republican Family Town Hall. Governor John Kasich joining us now, his wife Karen and his daughters Emma and Reese. Welcome to all of you. Thanks so much for being with us. Karen, let, let me start with you. When uh, when the governor approached, said to you, you know, I'm thinking of doing this. What did you What did you think? Here we go again. Here we go again. <laughs> you know, John was out of politics for a while, and right. when he told me he wanted to run for governor of Ohio, I thought. Well, he really needs to because someone needs to turn the state around and he's done a wonderful job. He has a great record of, of improving things in the state of Ohio. So when he said that he wanted to run for president, I thought the same thing. I thought, well, someone needs to fix this country and John has the record and let's get out there and uh, We just played an, earlier an interview from Randy Kay who said that on your first date, you called up, was it your mom, to My say mother. that a congressman had asked you out and your mom was like, you better buy some books on politics and read up on stuff. Is she that was true? a little concerned about how the conversation might go, yes. <laughs> uh -huh. But it seemed to go pretty well. I think it went fine, it I mean, to, 20 yes. years later. Yeah. And how about, uh, Emma Reese, how about for you when, when your dad said he was thinking of doing this? I, I read, I think he said in a town hall that one of you wasn't all that thrilled about the idea. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to put either of you on the spot. Who that would that was be? What, what was your thinking? Um, I just didn't want to move to Washington. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can understand that. I can understand yeah. that. Yeah. Well, how about for you? Um, I was all for it. Yeah? I think that he can fix the United States and make it better. And I think he, I said, like, go for it. So. Were you worried, I mean, as a mom, about, you know, suddenly all the attention? I mean, you have kids, you know, their teenage years, about that, you know, all, it's a lot for a family to go through. It's a lot for a family to go through, but the kids, you know, we live in our own home. We don't live in the governor's mansion. We, um, they send them, they go to a private school, which I think helps a little bit, right. keep things normal for them. Uh, they're not in the limelight that much. So doing a show like this is really pretty special for them. Yeah. Well, we appreciate it. <laughs> you know, Anderson, they, you know, they, well, see, I first started to run for governor, I think in like around 2009. So they were like nine. Mm. So since that time, uh, they've, they've been around all this. 
Um, but I, their friends come around. They're like, "Hi, Mr. Kasich." You know, uh, you know, and, and they just blow in and out of the house. One of the neighbors <laughs> came in tonight and tape recorded this, or you know, went recorded this show. Uh, and I mean, they're just like normal. We don't live. Uh, a, a, an odd life. Your neighbors just come into your house? Tape yeah. <laughs> well, there? she does. She uh -huh. says she's our third daughter. She's like my uh -huh. third daughter. So. Okay. Yeah. All of us Manhattanites are like, what? <laughs> yeah. You know your neighbors? What? That sounds nice. But, you uh, know, let me tell you, we're really, it's pretty normal because, you know, like over the weekend, Sunday, what, you know, watch golf. I mean, I didn't shave. I went to the gym. I shopped at Kroger's. We, you know, I do, I just do normal, no, normal stuff. And around town, it's normal, and people treat me great. I mean, they just, you know, basically don't bother me about anything. They clearly you try to make it as normal for yeah. your kids and well, your family. Well, it just is. Well. We don't even have to try. It just yeah. kind it of is. is. Right, cool. girls? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's, so, like, uh, going let's, oh, sorry, go ahead. So, like, what you asked me, um, what I thought, like, what I said when you yeah. asked, I was kind of like, like, it's kind of just one of those things where it's like, oh, well, it wasn't really, like, out of the blue. It was kind of like... It didn't really surprise yeah. you, given like, that you grew up with Like, oh, he's running again, so. Right. That's what your dad does. Yeah. And Emma, you, you, are it's you still, <laughs> if I become president, are you going to still live, am I going to, you're going to finish in Ohio, and I'll come back and forth. Is that right? I don't know. Let's meet some of the, uh, the voters here. Uh, I want you to meet uh, Rob uh, Goslin. He lives in New York City. He says he's leaning towards voting for Donald Trump, but he has a question for you, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Casey. Oh, Okay. Hi, Mrs. Kasich. How are Hi. you? Hi. Uh, quick question. Uh, I've heard that you've run many marathons. Describe that and how that compares to your husband's race. Well, I've run a few marathons. Many isn't an exaggeration, but um, thank you. I think that, again, you don't want to start out too fast. You want to start out slow and steady. You want to have a good, a good pace about you and finish strong. And I think that's exactly what John Kasich is going to do. You know, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> Everyone... I mean, the big cliche about running for president is it's not it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Does it feel I mean, does it feel like a marathon? I mean, having never I'm a wimp. I well, it feels like a marathon to me. It does. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. I mean, again, it's it's a long haul and a lot can happen. And it's not something you just want to start, you know, start running at the beginning. I mean, yeah. it, it takes a while to build up momentum and you want to do things right. right. And you want to do things like John was saying earlier. You don't want to get attention for the wrong reasons. So it takes a while to get your message out there about what you've accomplished and what you've done and, and your record. Are you proud of how he's run the campaign compared to what else he's done? Oh, seen I couldn't there? be prouder of John. I mean, I've always been proud of him, but I'm super proud of the way he's run this campaign and, and the way he's behaved. And I'm proud of the way people react to that. I mean, everywhere I travel, people come up to me and say, you know, we're proud of the way your husband has behaved. Um, I want you to meet uh, Serenity Richardson. She's a senior at the King's College here in New York who says she's leaning towards Senator Cruz, but she's still undecided. And she's got a question for Emma and Reese. Hey. Hi, guys. So most dads have a slightly weird or quirky side to them, especially around their kids. I want to ask you guys, uh, does your dad have any quirks or does he have a more humorous side to him? And if you had any stories along those lines? He just tries to tell jokes that he thinks are funny, but <laughs> they're mostly just funny to us because they're dumb. <laughs> Spoken like every 16-year-old child of a parent. How about you? And he also thinks he's a really good dancer. Uh-oh. So, <laughs> north-south. North-South, that's exactly right. What, what, wait, North-South, well, that's his move? Yeah, well, you got to go North and South. You, you know, can't do this uh, overbite. you got to go North-South. and um, Wow. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's very... And I, I, I'm really, really good. <laughs> Just kidding. Just ask him, he'll tell you. Do you think, Reese? I've gotten better. Yeah, but you're not going to go on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, though, when you're a kid, how everything you're... I remember my dad used to sing loudly at church, and it's so... It just mortified me. <laughs> Another thing he does. Oh, no, really? Uh, okay. Uh, I want to meet uh, James Thompson. He's an attorney from Staten Island. He says he's undecided. He's got a question for, for the governor. Welcome. Governor, uh, going through the life-changing experience of raising children will change any man's perspective. What have you learned from being a father that's translated to your approach in office? Well, there have been two giant things that affected my life. Uh, maybe three. One is my parents were killed in 1987 by a drunk driver, which forced me to search in many, many ways for who I am and, and my relationship to, uh, to the big guy up here and whether I wanted to have one or whether I even believed in it. That was a huge change. Then marrying Karen, you know, she's uh, strong. And, you know, some, here's the way, some people have a marriage like this and some have one like this. This is the best way to have a marriage. 
So she's been just fantastic and such a great supporter and tells it like it is, but she's not really engaged that much in politics. She doesn't tell me a whole heck of a lot. With the girls, you know, I love, I love all of them so much. And that's where faith has to come in because, you know, they're now driving. And uh, it's, it's every, and, you know, Reese had a boyfriend, Emma has a boyfriend. Is that a boyfriend that you have? I don't know. Is he? Okay. Um, you know, at some point you have to let them go, right? You have to let them lead their own lives. And um, you have to have the faith that you did it the right way. But frankly, I have to tell you, my wife is far more important in terms of who they are and how they are than I am. But I like to think that you know, as they get older, they're, they're going to realize that dad was a, a role model for, for the guy that at some point, way down the road, that they would marry. Um, but, you know, it's spending time with them, but it's also having the faith to let them lead their own lives and having the faith that whatever happens, we'll deal with it. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Okay. What was it like when they brought a boyfriend home for the first time? How'd you, how was that? Well, we have a trooper that sits in the car with a gun. Uh, you know. All right. uh, no, they don't like this. They don't want me to make to to frighten the guys that come in. And so the other day, the guy that uh, Emma knows, I was laying on the couch, and he's knows. like, "Hi, Mr. Kasich," and I just kind of looked, you know. But I mean, it's fine. These are nice. The, she screens them. Okay. She's oh, these are nice young men that are coming yeah. around. You know, there's no. nobody getting close that isn't uh, no, up and, to my uh, standards. But, you know, it's sort of funny, Anderson, because if a mom or a dad pound on them too much, I think you, you drive them the wrong way. So they're, they're going to have to make some of their own choices. I think the hardest thing is letting your kids make mistakes. I think that's just the hardest thing, but it's just what we're going to have to do. I want you to meet uh, John Burnett. He's an undecided voter. He says he's trying to decide between you, uh, Governor Kasich, and Senator Cruz. John, welcome. Governor Kasich, you have a lovely family. But there's one thing that's clear. You're the only man in the house. So with that said, did you have a man cave? And if so, what was in it? <laughs> well, you know, we, we built our house, and then we didn't, we didn't finish the lower level uh, because we didn't, you know, I didn't have the money to do it. And then when I got out for 10 years, uh, one of the things I did was I was a public speaker, and so people said, oh, that's the level that your mouth built. And uh, <clears throat> I have a, a little uh, projector down there, and... Um, it's pretty nice, and uh, I like to watch sports. You know, that's what I basically, I watch. What, girls, what do I watch? I watch... Palladia. Golf. I watch golf. I watch Palladia, the, the music middle. channel. I watch the middle. And, uh, you know, so I don't really have a, a place just for me, but I do have a little office that my wife decorates, but, uh, you know, it's no big, no big man cave where people are not invited. We, we, had, uh, we also had some, some goldfish, and those were not male either. No name. No name was male. Oh, really? No name, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, but as far as no it goes less It's long. a no name. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, Colleen Rappa. She's the mother of five sons, including triplets. She says she's leaning in your favor. Triplets. Oh, my goodness. Yes, Did you get help? Uh, it's like a trip without a suitcase, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, it's a pleasure to meet all of you. Um, I have a son with autism, and... He has often been in a target of bullying, so much so that I have now homeschooled him. Um, have you or anyone close to you had an experience with bullying in school, either hmm. directly or as a bystander, and how did you deal with it? Well, sweetie, you were just that writing a recommendation, so why don't you tell the story? Well, I just wrote a recommendation for a young lady who um, left the school that she was in and, and is attending another school because um, she was bullied for being too smart. And my way of helping her is writing a recommendation about what kind of smart things this young lady has done that make her so much different than any other high school senior that I know. And I will tell you that when I see bullying, and I have seen it, I go right to the, right to the top of the school and say, look, what are we going to do about it? And I don't always get the results I want, but I call it out when I see it. You know, the other, the other part of it is, as I tell my daughters, um, you need to stand up against it. And I think, Reese, there was occasion where you did, didn't you? And bullying is so horrible because what it does is it just so isolates a young child and can have such a, such a negative impact on their lives. 
So I, th I think it's, I always tell young people when I talk to them a couple things that they need to do with school and what I think they need to do to say their prayers, but I also tell them, do not let anybody be isolated and do not let anybody be bullied. So I think it's with the young people and of course it's with the higher ups and I would never hesitate to call their school and I do. And uh, they, I think they love when I call their um, yeah, right. One of the things that we've seen is bullying, you know, when when we were kids, it took place in schools. Um, now it's 24 hours a day on social media. So it's not just happening in the schools. Do you monitor their social media? They have limited social media in the first place. Mm. But, I, you know, I follow their Instagram or whatever it's called. Follow the Instagram. Yeah, I, follow, I follow them. But... Um, we have talks about it, and we have definitely have talks about being on social media safely and who you talk to and who you don't, and they're, I think they're pretty protected. But right. I, um, I just feel bad for kids these days because it's a 24-7 world, and it never shuts off, and I wouldn't have wanted to grow up like you, that. And, you know, you know the thing is, if you talk to people who are counselors, our children have a lot of challenges, and there are a lot of kids out there that are really hurting. And if there's anything we need to do in life, it's to protect our children. So we got to sort of stick our nose in other people's business. You know, Anderson, it's sort of funny because I, I was with a, I call, I was saying all these people who were important, you know, whether they're doctors or lawyers or whether they're nurses or, you know, and I say one of the most important people you can find in the school is the janitor or the lunch lady because those are the people that kids feel safe talking to and revealing their deepest, darkest, darkest kind of fears. But this is a big, big deal and a big problem, and we've got to look out for our kids, even when they are not our kids. They're all our kids, right? All of them. I want you to read, uh, this is Jim Merrin. He works in ad sales. He says he's planning on voting for you, Governor. Jim, welcome. Thank you. Governor Kasich, thank you for taking my question. Earlier, you referenced your faith. And you're a former Catholic, and in your book, Every Other Monday, you wrote that there will always be some part of you that considers yourself a Catholic. Which part? Well, I think that, look, I'm going to just tell you now, I'm a fan of the Pope. I like the Pope, and I'll tell you why. Because the Pope has spent more time talking about the do's in religion than the don'ts. You see, when you talk about, when, if you mention the word, I'm going to talk to you about religion, we all get thought bubbles like, uh-oh, this is about, about what I shouldn't do. And I believe religion is about, about what you should do, not what you shouldn't do. You know, it's humility, it's loving somebody that doesn't love you. It's, uh, there's so many things, living a life bigger than yourself. And those, I don't find really the, that much difference between any of these faiths. They all preach about the same thing. Um, but to me, uh, if you are about the do's, it's attractive. It's like you're special, you were made special, you can change the world. Those things are really critical. The don'ts about don't do this or don't do that, that comes a heck of a lot later. And that comes naturally whenever we decide we want to try to please, as I like to call them from time to time, the big guy. And these girls, you know, they, they actually go to Christian school. It's normal. It's, not an ex it's not, nothing extreme. They go there. But they don't write on the walls. They respect the teachers, like what it was when you and I went to school. And I don't shove it, anything down their throat because that's where you drive people away. My wife has become much more faithful. She reads a lot and studies a lot. Look, here's what I would say. The winds of life blow. And sometimes they blow ugly stuff into our lives and sometimes good things. But I want to build a house on a rock-solid foundation so that when the winds come, my house can still stand. And that doesn't make it easy. But uh, you learn that in, in basically all the faiths. And so that's, that's the, kind of the way I kind of think about things. Thank you okay? for your question. Thank you. Uh, th this is uh, Ronald Ayala. He's a student at St. John's University right here in New York. He says he's leaning toward Donald Trump, but he's got a question both for uh, Emma and Reese. Uh, Ronald, welcome. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here tonight. Thank you for taking my question. Um, clearly, this election cycle has been a very vicious one. So how do you react when you see your father constantly being attacked in the media by negative ads and by political pundits? Um, well, I don't really watch much TV. Um, if I do, it's Netflix, so there's not <laughs> any like ads or anything. So I don't really see any of the um, ads on TV. 
and I don't go looking for the negativity. Um, so I, I honestly don't really see it. I don't see it either. Yeah. No. Does it, does it, I mean, you know, obviously sort of, you, you must get a sense of things or maybe kids in school, I don't know if kids in school say stuff. Does it, does it bother you or you, you really try to keep it, keep it away? Yeah, like I really don't see it. <laughs> what do like you people at our school, like everyone's just kind of really chill. So uh -huh. no one ever really brings anything up like that. Right. So, How about you, Emma? I see it. Same as Reese. Yeah. yeah. Right. Do you worry about that, about your kids sort of hearing what's going on in the campaign trail? Or is it something you, in, once you're in the house, you try to keep it out, out of the house? We really try to keep it out of the house, but I'm not naive enough to think that they're not going to hear things when they're out and about. But we, we talk. I mean, we just talk openly about what's going on and why people would say things that they would say. And, and we know what the truth is. So yeah. um, I'm pretty comfortable. I don't, I don't really spend like, a lot of time worrying about that. I know my dad better than anyone who's saying stuff on social media does. So even if I did see something bad, I wouldn't believe it because, like, I've, like, you know what I mean? Like, he's my dad, so, like. What do you, <laughs> want, people, what do, what do you want people to know about him? I mean, you talk about knowing him better than anybody. What? He's just really godly and really, really fun and sometimes a little silly. Um, <laughs> uh, he's really loving. He's always um, checking up on us. Um, he's an honest man. Um, yeah, I think that. That's nice. Um, and he cares about everyone, so. Yeah. Would, would you want to go into politics at all based on what you've seen with your dad? No. No? <laughs> How about you, Reese? For, uh, I want to make some money first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to take... So, can I say one yeah. thing about it? So, Emma... What, do we, what is one of the things we like to do together, Emma? What do we like to watch? Basketball. We watch all the sports. Is <laughs> Emma Emma's a, a great runner, and she and her relay team finished fourth in the state last year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and Reese was just selected as one of the leaders in the school. But when Reese texted me and said she was selected, I texted her back and I said, I'm more proud of the fact that you put yourself out there than you got picked. And... Uh, I love you guys. You know that. So. We're going to take a, a quick short break. We'll have to be back with the entire case of family right after that. for Governor Kasich, his wife Karen, and daughters Emma and Reese. Uh, Governor Kasich, it was announced today you're giving a big speech tomorrow that's entitled Two Paths. Can you say, what does that mean? What are the two paths? Well, I hope people will see it. It's, uh, the first path is feeding on people's fears and driving them into a ditch, separating us and, and telling people that we as Americans are now failures, our country's a failure. And it just, just, it, it just creates more anger. It's exploiting people's, you know, their anxiety. The other way is to tell them, hey, we do have problems, but they can be fixed. And let's look up and let's pull together. I mean, we hear so much negativity. Oh, we're losers. We're terrible. Let's go out and surveil neighborhoods. Let's ban people from coming in the country based on religion. That's not our country. Our country is one where we get together. We hang together. We work together, realizing that things there's challenges, but they can be fixed. And it's going to be, I think it's pretty hard-hitting. And I think people will, will pay attention to it. And I think they will, they will resonate with it. It's pretty clear who you're talking about there, obviously. Talk about every, both of them. Both of them. Yeah. Do you, are, are, do you, do you want to name them? Or, or do you name them? Or, or no, I'm not you don't, gonna, you don't want to go down that road? Names, but look, when you say to somebody, we're going to surveil your neighborhood because you're a Muslim, if you want to find out what's going in the, on in the neighborhood, who do you think you would ask? If I ask you, Anderson, you're not going to know what's going on. Or if I want to know what's going on in a mosque, uh, or if I, if I say we're going to have a religious test and if you're a Muslim, you can't come in, how do we expect them to work with us worldwide? So, and, and it's not just that. It's, it's whimsical solutions. It's, but it's basically telling people that things are so bad. It runs our country down. It depresses people. And I'm not for doing that. And I'm going to lay this out along with solutions. So it'll be interesting. Be and tomorrow it's, morning. It's the United States of America, not the divided. 
<laughs> That's good, Reese. So. I like that. Oh, yeah. Me too. That's why I said it. I want you to meet uh, Chris Authier. Uh, uh, he says he's completely undecided for the first time in this election. He's got a question for you, Governor. Uh, so most of us don't understand or choose our political affili affiliation until college or after. I was wondering when you decided you were Republican, if you remember when and, and why. Yeah, you know, I was always kind of conservative. My mother was conservative. My dad was a Democrat all of his life. My mother was a Democrat but became a Republican later in life. You know, I don't like anything big, big government, big business, um, or big labor. And I, I, I felt that, you know, I want, I want government as a last resort, not as a first resort. And I've always felt that the, uh, the Republican Party was closer to that. Uh, than the Democratic Party was, that they're kind of like, you know, government, bureaucracy, these will fix things. I've always been a person to think, I, I like to kind of do it on my own, and uh, so that's kind of why I became a Republican. Okay? I want you to meet, uh, this is Roger Sacker, he's an attorney who says he was supporting Senator Rubio, he's now undecided, and he's got a question for you, Mrs. Kasich. Mrs. Kasich, a First ladies often use their position to advocate for certain charitable work. What positions would you advocate for as First Lady? Well, I can tell you what I've done in Ohio, and that is I've advocated for things that help our young people because I believe our young people are our most precious natural resource, and we need to grow them and support them. So it has been th things like fitness and wellness. It has been after-school programs for kids in at-risk neighborhoods. It has been uh, the anti-human trafficking efforts because that's been a big problem. I never realized that until I became First Lady that human trafficking is such a problem in this country and in our own state. So anything that, that helps youth and young people. Early on in the campaign, I think in your first interview, you talked about kind of, I don't, I can't remember the exact term, if you're saying you weren't a traditional political wife. You talked about not having sort of the, the Nancy Reagan gaze. Um, how do you see yourself as a first lady? Are there first ladies you, you would like to kind of emulate or if, that you look at as models? Now, I see myself, I'm kind of doing it my way, and I am trying to make a difference where I can. I'm not trying to start new programs. I'm trying to lend my uh, name and celebrity, if you will, to programs that exist and that are, are doing great things in our communities around Ohio. So I see myself as a mom first and first lady second. Uh, this is uh, Jim Moriarty. He's a, a retiree who says he's still undecided. He's got a question uh, for, uh, for Emma and Reese. Uh, hi, girls. Uh, welcome to New York. Uh, I'd like to ask you uh, if you could tell us uh, what does your father like to do uh, in his free time for fun when he's not working and what do you like all of you like to do as a family? Um, he usually plays golf <laughs> and he goes to church on Sundays because he usually is home on Sundays so we eat family dinner together sometimes we'll watch 60 minutes <laughs> he'll make us come downstairs <laughs> How about New York, Emma? How about when we come to New York, huh? That's fun, too. He brings Reese. Um, he takes us on each a trip uh, every year, and we get to choose where we can go for the weekend. So, so tell me about Chicago. Where, where do you like Emma? to go? I like to come to New York. Um, right. She went to Chicago. And the New first York. time, then New York. Yeah, and I've just gone to New York twice. Cool. Tell me what you did in, in Chicago, Emma, where you went. Remember when you went out on the... We went to a Chicago Bulls game, and we met Scottie Pippen, but I didn't know who it was at first. <laughs> <laughs> well, we went down on the court. It was really fun, and then we went up in the, in the suite, and Scottie Pippen came in, and all these people gathered around Scottie Pippen, and, and, uh, and Emma's sitting with this football player from the Chicago Bears, who sh I think scored a touchdown the next Sunday. But uh, all these people were around Pippen. I said, Emma, that was Scottie Pippen. She's like... Who's that, Dad? <laughs> but uh, she came to New York the yeah. last time because I think New York is going to be the center of... Because we love New York values. Uh, <laughs> uh, this, is, this is Denise Ward. She's an attorney uh, from New Rochelle uh, who says she's leaning toward uh, voting for you, Governor. She's got a question for Mrs. Kasich. Uh, good evening, uh, Governor Kasich, Mrs. Kasich, and Reese and Emma. Uh, thank you for taking my question. Uh, Mrs. Kasich, I've heard Governor Kasich mention a number of times that respect uh, is the key element in uh, problem solving. Um, does he incorporate this in his home life, and is this something that comes naturally to him, or is it something that he has to work at doing? 
Well, I'm a pretty strong person, and I wouldn't be with a man who didn't show me respect and show my daughters respect. So um, that's just the way he behaves. I don't see him working at respecting us. I see him living that by the way he treats us and the way our family operates together. Um, I think that he's a wonderful role model for Emma and Reese. You know, we were talking earlier about the boys starting to come around, and I would like them to look for a young man who's like daddy. I mean, I think that he has the values, and one of those values is respecting women. But, but you know, I also want to say, look, I'm not that great, okay? I'm just, <laughs> uh, honestly, I'm doing the best I can. But well, you're we, pretty good at respecting us. Well, yeah, I surrendered to you long ago. I knew that. But here's the That's thing. That's a smart man. Yes, but here's the thing. I mean, if you think about some of the people that we've had come to our house or people that, who have been friends of ours, we don't care whether they're Republicans or Democrats. We've had a number of Democrats that well, we've been, right? Their, you respect yeah. their values, their views. Right. And, um, you know, it's, it's very interesting to just appreciate people for who they are. And when I say respect, that means that... Even if I don't agree with you, you know, I got to respect your position unless you're a crook or a bum or something. I'm going to respect you. And guess what? Over time, we'll find something that we can do together. And that's what's missing in Washington today. It's a lack of respect for people who don't think the way that you think. And that's what's killing us down there. And it doesn't make any sense because if you can respect somebody, it's amazing how you'll be in a position at some point where you can accomplish things. And that's why you're in this stuff, right? I think. There's some in Washington who believe compromise is a dirty word, that you, you got core values, you got to stick to those, and no compromise at all. Where do you... Do you well, that's just ridiculous. Where, where in life do we not compromise? You don't have to compromise your principle. But, you know, my way or the highway doesn't work. And these issues are very complicated, very, very complicated. So you have to listen to what other people say. Doesn't mean you have to go along. I, look, I ran the budget committee. That's one of the toughest committees in Congress. If you talk to most of the people that served on the committee, particularly Democrats, they'll say, you know, he treated us fairly. Um, I'm not going to change all my positions, but... You know, of course you have to do a little bit of compromise. You can say you're never going to compromise, and then the country's going to continue to drift. I mean, Anderson, it's the way it works. So you know when you get to the point where you say, <clears throat> sorry, I just can't do that. I just can't go there, but let's look at something else. And when you develop the respect, you can have breakthroughs. That's the way it works. Uh, I want you to meet, uh, this is Gregory Smith. He's a teacher from Yorktown, New York. He says he's leaning towards supporting uh, you. Gregory? Good evening. As a moderate Republican, uh, I find it very, very difficult to reconcile my uh, social liberalism with my fiscal conservatism often. And I feel as if our, the Republican Party is also becoming polarized in that fashion. And as the years go on, it's just going to get worse. So Governor Kasich, if you are blessed to have grandchildren one day, how do you envision the uh, evolution of the Republican Party as it relates to those values? And finally, what are the fundamental values that you believe that Republican families should never waver on? Hmm. <clears throat> well, I, I, I'd have to really give that a lot of thought. I don't, I, that's just, I mean, those are really tough questions. What is it sh we should never waver on? Truth, don't do drugs, be humble, show respect. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, that family is so critical. Family matters. Families look different today than they used to look when I was just a young boy, but that's okay. We have to support our families. I think that's really important. Um, you know, I, I, I guess those would be some of the things that, uh, you know, what do I try to teach my kids? Okay, you're not going to be perfect. Be as good as you can be. Be as honest as you can, as, you know, be honest. Um, keep our family together. Love your sister. You know, <laughs> love each other because that's what you'll have at the end of the day. Uh, respect, you know, I respect my wife. I respect women. I mean, these are things that are really important. I'm not sure where you're going with this, though. Well, I, I think the question is, I, I think it's kind of hinting at that with the grandchildren idea is where do you see the GOP? But if you have grandchildren, where do you see, are you concerned about where the GOP will be at that time, given the, uh, the path it's on? Well, let me, that, let me, let right? me, let me kind of put it this, yeah. this way. The Republican Party should be a party of ideas and ideas that create energy and innovation to lift everybody. What we should try to do is to stress those kinds of things. And when it gets to the social issues... Look, I'm not going to change my position on some of the social issues, but there's ways also to carry myself in a way that I can respect somebody that doesn't agree with me, okay? And the party is always most comfortable being against. 
The Republican Party has never been a party that's always been so excited about new ideas. It's most comfortable being against. When you are a party that's against, you will fail because it is ideas that drive change. Anderson and I did a, did a, uh, a little hit last week. I was in Teddy Roosevelt's house at Sagamore Hill. Teddy Roosevelt shook everything from top to bottom. He breathed new life into the United States. And that's exactly what, the way I think the party ought to be. We're always going to have some arguments about the social issues, but the most important thing for us to do is to create a job opportunity society for ourselves. And when it comes to the social issues, we'll get to argue more about those once the economy is strong. But let's figure the economy, and then we'll get to the social issues. When you okay? heard on the campaign trail, when you heard Senator Cruz on the campaign trail, uh, kind of mock the idea of New York values. What did you think? I don't have a clue what he was talking about. I love New York. I mean, when you come to New York, you're, well, I think I heard it as I was walking in here. You're, you feel younger. You're more alive. It's so cool. It's happening so much. Everything is like, this is the heartbeat of the world, not just the heartbeat of America. This is like the great, isn't it, sweetie? It's, you wanted to, yeah, I mean, it's so fantastic. I love, I love New York, you know? And, you just uh, got a prom dress here. That's right. I didn't understand that. And I bring my daughters here when we come. We have nice food. We go to see a show. Everybody's raving about Hamilton now. You know, I mean, this is a great, great place. And it's great to visit, right? And it's just, it's so we exciting. Liked it. And there's so much more. You never do enough. I've never been to Ellis Island. Can you imagine that? I've not, I can't oh. wait to go to we, Yeah, we were going to do that. Yeah, we just we couldn't do it. So I didn't, I didn't understand that. Look, there's another issue no, going on. Let's just talk about the elephant in the room. This is business of, you know, about uh, I'm, a, I'm a traditional marriage guy. Okay, I believe a man and a woman. But I went home one day. I said, sweetie, we've been invited to a gay wedding. This was after the court. I said, what do you think? She said, well, I'm going. I don't know if you are or not. And we went. And look, here's the thing. We may disagree with something about people's lifestyles and all those kinds of things. We may disagree. But you know what? Let's try to understand each other a little bit. What are we going to do, write a law? I, I read about this thing they did in Mississippi where apparently you can deny somebody service because they're gay. What the hell are we doing in this country? I mean, look, I, I may not appreciate a certain lifestyle or even approve of it, but I can... I, that doesn't mean I got to go write a law and try to figure out how to have another wedge issue because one of the things that's happening on this issue itself is that there are politicians that are using it to get publicity which ultimately divides us. We had a Supreme Court ruling and you know what? Let's move on. Let's move on from where we are. So I don't know if that's what you were talking about. Um, but, you know, I just... Uh, so what? the argument that's made in Mississippi, North Carolina, that this is about religious freedom, you don't necessarily buy that. Look, it's a private business. Here's what I would tell you. I think if you're a photographer, okay, and you are a deep Christian and you object to going to a gay wedding, okay? So somebody comes in and they say, okay, we want you to be a photographer. Photographer says, you know, I'd really not be comfortable doing that. If I were trying to arrange a gay wedding, I might go down the street to another photographer. Why do I need to raise all this cane about this? Mm. And, and frankly, if I'm selling cupcakes, why don't I just sell a cupcake? That's what I do in commerce. It gets to be a tricky thing about how much you involve somebody against some deeply held belief. But most of the time, I think we can accommodate one another, don't you? I think, sweetie, we can accommodate one another even when we can have some profound differences. Um, I want you to meet uh, Nick Icono. He's uh, from Staten Island. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Uh, David Greco. Oh, here we are. David Greco. He owns, uh, actually, oh, sorry. He owns Mike's Deli uh, in the Bronx. Uh, you visited just last week. And I want to show for our viewers just a couple of pictures of what looks like you eating the most enormous feast <laughs> in the entire world. I don't know how much of that you actually yes, ate. John. A lot. Are you still? Have you eaten since then? He ate like a New Yorker. I'm going to tell you really? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. See, that was he the likes pasta. to eat. Don't make fun of no, him. No, I'm not. You're not, you're not <laughs> making fun of him. I'm envious. Are you kidding? Wrong. Absolutely wrong. Well, I wish I was there. You know, you wouldn't give me the pasta. You were holding it out on me. Well, then the guy behind the counter you. tried to you take it. Controlling portion. I had a half of the sub, and I had the pasta. We don't call subs. They Heroes. <laughs> heroes. Uh, heroes and the I know. Truth is uh, uh, okay, that's, I forgot that. But here's the good thing. 
to make up for what I did in that pizza place in Queens, I ate the pasta with my hand. Anyway, David's got a, a, a question for uh, Mrs. Casey. Well, we talked how we're family men, and I was fortunate enough to feed you and see that he truly has an appetite. <laughs> and we talked how lucky we were with our wives and our children. And I ask your family and you, like, to me, I come home and my family, we break bread every night. That's where we get together and the kids talk. What is a classic uh, Kasich meal? Like, is the Sunday meal important? Is the holiday meal? What's important? Are you looking to cater this? Yeah. I, <laughs> listen, I, I booked the job if you go to authorities.com, but I want to hear what they do at home. All right. Well, I'm not Italian, but John's a big fan of my homemade sauce. So uh, pasta and sauce is a big family favorite. Do you and put meat in it? Um, meatballs? Well, sometimes meatballs. Because oh, if there's meat in it, it's gravy. Oh, I didn't know that. Is that an Italian thing? No, it's a real thing. It okay. is. <laughs> All right, so sometimes it's gravy, sometimes it's sauce, okay, just but it's always popular. Um, you know, home, homemade um, mac and cheese. I do a lot of veal dishes, anything on the grill. Um, I'm the grill master in the family. Governor, can you cook it all? Oh, no. no. Oh. <laughs> I should have asked Emma and Reese, and they're saying absolutely but not. But the mealtime, meal time when John is home, is important to us because that's the time where we get to sit together. What I feel is we leave New York, and as New Yorkers, we're spoiled. In Ohio, spaghetti and chili we don't eat in New York. But do you eat fast food, like, or are you cooking meals? You look super fit, and he mentioned how lucky he was. No, I we don't, all got to see that tonight. We like, will do sometimes do some fast food when John's... Um, uh, out of town and we have sports and like that but I don't serve you know I don't come home with bags from three different places right. and say dinner served mm -hmm. I just didn't grow up that way and I thank can't you. do thanks that thanks for your question <laughs> it looks like a lot of fun you guys had uh, at the deli I want to thank all of you uh, for, for being with us uh, this is the first time we've done this and uh, it was really great to meet thank you all you. thank you so thank much you. Uh, also, also thanks to the voters who took time to be here bring such uh, uh, interesting questions tomorrow night Donald Trump and his family Ted Cruz the next night until then thanks for watching time now for CNN tonight and Don Lemon when you work you work next level and when you play you play next level and when it's time to sleep sleep number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness providing you with high quality sleep every night sleep next level J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.